the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome to the show. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. I want to get your calls on the air. I love your money questions. As a Certified Financial Planner, deal with taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. It's all fair game. I'll take any money question besides the individual stock buy holder. So wait until Rob gets back for that one. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can always shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. Now, one of the reasons I do what I do for a living is so that people don't find themselves in a really horrible situation when they're supposed to be enjoying life. Now, there's an article, we talked about this on my show the other day on the 1 o'clock show. There's an article in the Chronicle by Carolyn Jones. According to this article, i got a lot of work to do. 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every month right now. 10,000. Wow. The crazy thing about that is that we've got that millennial boom as well, and that's a generation that trusts technology more than they trust the stock market. They don't like dealing with salespeople, fancy ties with you know, their monograms on their arms, on their, on their sleeves. They just don't like it. They'd rather deal with technology. And so you've got a disconnect and you've got that lack of trust in the stock market because of the two bulbs they've seen while they were growing up. Now, in this article, and, and according to Carolyn Jones from the Chronicle the other day, California seniors have the highest poverty rate in the country. And this, the story discusses a 90-year-old veteran retired as a photographer for the Detroit Free Press, his wife a retired history teacher. And so what it sounds like, his wife probably had a bit of a pension, husband probably didn't, have a lot of savings as a Detroit free press photographer. Probably got paid kind of as he, you know, got the photos in and, and really no long-term game plan. But the guy started working at age 13. He was a veteran, too, for God's sakes. Now at age 90, he and his wife live on 21 grand a year in the Bay Area. After they pay for rent and medications, they're left with $416 a month just after rent and medication. So they have to eat and enjoy life with $416 a month. So he says, no restaurants, no movies, no new clothes. We look for a lot of freebies. Those financial advisors out there that do the free steak dinner events, these are the type of people that are probably coming to your, your free steak dinner. 
So, and so they go on. And Alan and his wife are among the growing throng of formerly middle-class Americans who find themselves in poverty as seniors. For about 6.3 million seniors nationwide living below the poverty line. What that means is eating most meals at free dining rooms, rarely turning up the heat, rationing medication, and praying that emergencies never strike. Study after study show that people are drastically underprepared for retirement. The most recent one was that of those people that do have 401k balances, which is what percent of the population, who knows, maybe 40, 50% now, of those people that do, the studies show that by age 66 to 67, what they call the full retirement age, most are on track, those that have balances, to only replace about 60% of their income with Social Security. So that means the majority of the population is setting themselves up for a drastic reduction in lifestyle at the age of retirement. Again, I'd say this all the time. You're driving down the road right now, and your car payment is bigger than your 401k contribution. You're nuts. You're you're, you're doing it completely backwards. If you decided to upgrade into that bigger, sweeter house so you can have the people over and be an entertainer and... And, and what that did was it caused you to get a bigger house payment and made it so you stop funding your IRAs, your 401Ks. You're doing it wrong. Great, you got a sweet house. You're going to look really cool. You're going to look rich until you're 65, and then you're not going to be rich. You're gonna just, all you are is cash flow rich right now, so you got to be careful. Now, California, with a high cost of living, leads the nation in the percentage of older adults living in poverty, according to this article. And according to the 2013 report by the Kaiser Family Foundation, Kaiser Family Foundation, I think it's like KFF.org or something like that. I haven't been there for a while, but um, especially when um, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare came out, they do such great work in terms of kind of laying everything out and helping you understand these various items. Now, 20% of California adults over age 65 live below the poverty threshold of 16000 a year. That's horrible. The two in ten seniors are below the poverty line in California. Good job. Good job, California. Ugh, that's sad. So Alan, this couple that they were talked about in this article, receives less than half the amount required for seniors to cover basic expenses in Alameda County. Now, in, in poverty level for seniors is actually rising again. Now, why is that happening? So for, for decades it was declining because there was Social Security, other things like that. Well, a lot of seniors that live off of CDs and bonds and things like that, CDs and bonds are paying a third of what they paid before 2007, before the credit crisis hit. So the credit crisis hit. We had to bail out a bunch of companies. We had to stimulate the economy by printing a ton of money and lowering the interest rates to zero. Now, what's that done is keep interest rates extremely low. Now, this helped you refinance your house. It's helped you, hopefully, you know, borrow some money for your business to be able to hire and whatever. So far, we're not we're starting to see that. But what it's done is crush grandma and grandpa. It's crushed your mom and dad. It's, traditionally, people retire about half their money in very safe things like CDs, I-bonds, treasuries, and the rates are next to nothing. Meanwhile, food costs. Who's gone to the grocery store lately? I have three kids. I've got a 14-year-old that when I read that article of, of Alan and his wife spending $416 a month, I think I spend that on milk and cereal for my 14-year-old. 
uh, and stuff. So you got low rates, you got longer lifespans playing a role. That's why the poverty level is increasing. If you asked Alan and his wife if they thought they were going to live till 90 when they retired, nah, they probably thought they were going to live till 80. What happened is they had a pension, and probably back when they were retired at 65, 30 years, uh, 35 years ago, that that money seemed like a decent amount. But inflation cuts the value of a dollar and a half every 18 years. So they're living on 25% of what they started with, if you count in inflation. So it's tough. There's a report last month by the U.S. Government Accountability Office that showed that sing- single seniors have a far greater chance of living in poverty than their married counterparts, too. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, there's this gray divorce problem that's running across America where people are getting divorced after they're 55. And when two people exit, go on their own ways, expenses are not just cut in half. Usually it's only about a 25 to 30% reduction in expenses. So you got half the assets and almost as much in the same amount of expenses. Or people pass away and they lose part of their pension. They don't protect their spouse. They lose the Social Security. I'll explain that when we come back. Like I'll go through some of the ten main things that you need to know about before you go into retirement. Things like, number five point is planning for a surviving spouse. That's, that's why there's so many single seniors that are in poverty, because of that issue. If you want to get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. If you get your calls in there, you can always shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. We'll be right back. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. I want to get your calls in there if you've got a money question. Certified Financial Planner, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, any money issue. If I don't know it, one of my five other Certified Financial Planners will or find the answer for you. So 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. 1220 to get your calls on the air. We can go to the website, newfocusfinancial.com. Send me an email through that. Facebook page, New Focus Financial Group. Twitter, at Chad M. Burton. Lots of ways to get a hold of me. Now, Rob and I just did a event called the 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning. So I'm going to hit some of those topics because 10 key things that you need to know. There's too many people that retire without a plan. The other day I got a call from a guy that was worried about his pension. He's going to retire at 55. How was he going to take his pension? There was a Social Security leveling option and, and other things like that that was enough income right now, but th- he didn't really have any other assets outside of the pension. And if he retired, it was enough income right now, but there was no inflation bump to the pension. So basically what that means is you're going to feel poor in about 15 to 20 years when the value of dollars cut in half because of inflation. So people retire, and then they get a plan, and that's a backwards way to do it. There's a point 10 years from retirement where you have to start transitioning your retirement from an accumulation phase to a distribution phase, so that prior to retirement, three to five years, you're set up as if you could retire any day. 
So let's go through some of those key points. Number one, really knowing your expenses and the effects of inflation. Now, what are your expenses? There's too many people that just don't know what they spend. They know that they get a paycheck in, and they know whether or not they have enough money left at the end of the month, so they've got an idea of what they spend. But there's certain items that you're spending now on your children that go away at certain ages. There's certain things that you're going to add. Like, what, what's going to get you out of bed at retirement? What are your travel plans? What are your hobbies? Are you going to donate money, donate time to your charitable causes? There's other things like insurance, too, because when you retire, you have Medicare Part B, which you pay for, starting at age 65. It's 105 bucks a month. It's been going up at double-digit rates until last year. And you need supplemental insurance in retirement because Medicare A and B are horrible by themselves. So you need supplemental insurance, and you need your Part D, which is prescription drugs, and then you've got all these co-pays just to set aside enough money, which tends to... We tend to put in plans about 555 to $600 a month projected out at 5 to 6% inflation in retirement plans. The other way that you can look at it is Fidelity says their studies show that the average person spends a present value of $250,000 in retirement on things like dental, co-pays, prescription drugs, and things like that. So you have to have that projected in your plan. Normal expenses you can project out at 3%. Healthcare costs, 5 to 6%. Now I've got couple of people that, that I know, they're, you looked at them, they're very healthy, very active. Avid fisherman, runner, a couple of those uh, sprint triathlons, you know, where you do shorter run, bike, swims. Very, very healthy, but one has had breast cancer. She's in her early 50s, and the husband has type 2 diabetes. So what they have to do is they do a lot of kind of the Eastern medicine approach. They have a lot of supplements that they do. And that adds about 250 bucks a month to try to keep themselves healthy. And they're trying to sell a business, and until Affordable Care Act came, they, they were wondering, what are they going to do from the point when they sell their business to age 65 to get on Medicare? They were going to get declined by everybody. So their health care costs are through the roof. If you look at other people, they need more money to retire and be able to continue to stay healthy and kind of, I guess, ward off the things that uh, – are in their genes. So what are your health care costs? Do you have a child that is majoring in philosophy or English and they're going to be sitting on your couch after they graduate, not getting a job? That's the other thing you have to think about these days. And, oh, my gosh, if you're going to spend money on your kid's education, that's one of the biggest investments that you're going to make. So please get college counseling. Please realize that, yeah, you, you, a UC college might be cheaper than a, some other private college or something like that, but... You're not getting out in four years. You're getting out in five, so it could be more money. And then if they waste two or three years trying to figure out what they want to do instead of going to community college for the first two years, then you're looking at a six- or seven-year program, right? So, geez, come on. Take some time to, to really get a college counselor on that front. So really, really know your expenses. Even wealthy people say they don't, they don't live out of the you know, Dave Ramsey cash in an envelope program. I'm only going to spend X on groceries. I'm only going to spend Y on lunch. They track what they spend, and they know when they go overboard, they know that the next quarter, not next month necessarily, but next quarter they might reduce what they're doing in that area that they overspent. So that's number one is really knowing your expenses. You cannot even do asset allocation until you know your expenses. The reason why I say that is because the other points that, I, that I'll make is three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash. That's driven off your expenses. You have to have 
that's safe money to get you through bad market corrections. That will happen a couple times during your retirement. Number two, this is a big one lately. You have to maximize Social Security. There are The only time that it makes sense in my mind to take Social Security at 62 with today's interest rate environment is if you're single, you have no other spousal benefits to take, you're single, and you're not going to live to age 80. That's about the only time it makes sense to take it early in most cases. And the reason why I say that is because between your full retirement age, which is 67 or 66 for most people right now, and age 70, if you if you let your Social Security benefits just increase in value, it's about an 8% rate of return on, on that Social Security money. What are you getting on your stock or what are you getting on your CDs, cash, and bonds right now? I'd rather you live off of that and let your Social Security increase in value if there's a way to do it. There's a projectable and definable way to do it in your plan. You let that grow. So you have to know a couple of things, especially if you're married. There's called file and suspend and then restricted to application strategies when it comes to Social Security. Now, what that means is that let's say I retire at 66 and I've got a spouse that either worked less than I did or still worked a lot and had their, had her own benefit, what I could do is at 66 file but suspend my benefits. I don't take anything until I'm 70. But by filing and suspending, my spouse that might have worked and got her own benefit, she can actually take a spousal benefit by filing a restricted application. So I don't do anything. I let my Social Security benefits grow until I'm 70, get my 8% rate of return, turn on the tap at 70, she takes a spousal benefit based on my earnings from her age 66 to age 70, and then at age 70 turns around and turns on the tap on her own benefits. You get a bunch of extra money out of Social Security. Part of the law, you can do it. I'll give you an example of how much money that makes. Coming back after the break and some other issues on Social Security, you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. When you call us in the air, ask a money question. It's 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220. Also, here at my show, New Focus on Wealth at 1 o'clock on the station. Now, here's a little alert for you your grandma's probably getting hosed by Social Security. Kind of sounds weird, right? But roughly one-third of spouses age 70 and older are not getting the maximum Social Security payouts they're entitled to. What I'm talking about is Social Security, balance of spend strategies and restricted application strategies, where a lot of people end up taking a spousal benefit at a certain age. And the way the Social Security works is when one person dies, 
the smaller check goes away, and the bigger check, regardless of who is getting paid the bigger check, stays with the spouse. But sometimes your own benefits are higher than your spousal benefit. And one-third of spouses over age 70 are not getting the maximum Social Security benefits, benefits that they're entitled to, according to the Social Security Administration Office of Inspector General. I didn't know that office existed, but apparently it does. And um, the Inspector General's office asked that Social Security six years ago send out letters to spouses telling them they can get higher payouts. But the agency declined because it said it didn't have enough workers for the task. It's 86,000 letters. The government works for us. That ticked me off when I read that. Just ticked me off. So are you getting the maximum amount of Social Security? And by the way, guess what? Obama is attacking the strategy as of just recently. It's a strategy that's part of law that was voted in. So it's a congressional change that has to occur, so I doubt it will happen. So if you're close to Social Security, you have to realize that, first of all, there's an 8% rate of return if you let Social Security benefits grow from your full retirement age to age 70. And even your working spouse, if she or he had her own benefits, and this has to do with same-sex couples that are married now, because it's recognized federal level, what, ha- what, what you could do is one person can file and suspend. It makes the other person eligible for spousal benefits. So if I retire, file and suspend, my spouse can take a spousal benefit based on my earnings and then switch to her own at 70, and I switch to my own at 70, and it makes a huge difference. A huge difference. Now, how much is a strategy worth if you, if you take Bill and Jane, right, a married couple both turning 66 this year? They were both going to file this year and, and take at their full retirement age. If they had a payout of 2000 a month, and she, if Bill had a payout of 2000 a month, and, and uh, Miss Jane had a payout of $1,600 a month, if Bill is age 83 and Jane makes it to age 95, their cumulative lifetime Social Security benefit would be $1,032,000. But instead, let's say Bill files and suspends payments. He files at 66 but says, don't give it to me yet. Let it accumulate till I'm 70. What that would do is allow Jane, instead of taking her own benefit, she'll take a spousal benefit for four years at twelve grand a year. And then they both switch to their own benefits at age 70. What that would do is by, if, if a, she lived to the same life expectancy, that strategy would gain them an extra $136,000 at that period of time over that same life expectancy. Social Security maximizing it, it can be a huge benefit. I've seen numbers closer to $300,000. And everybody's different. So there's Social Security software out there. You can even do it, find places online. We have SSA Analyzer in our office that we use to maximize Social Security. Very rarely does it make sense unless you're single and you're not going to live very long to take it at 62. Hardly ever works out that way. Even if the high income earner was, let's say it's the guy, age 66, probably going to live till 75 because of horrible health, it still sometimes makes sense to put it off till 70 because when it's really important to maximize the check for the surviving spouse. So don't just take Social Security and think, oh, i got to take it to 62 because the system's going to run out of money. Anything that's proven lately is governments can print money. Look at the U.S., look at Japan. The U.S. government is not going to let Social Security bounce, checks bounce. What they'll do is they'll take people like me, out of it. People that are under 45, they'll take them out of the system or replace it with higher taxes. People over 55, your Social Security is going to be fine. Because if, if Social Security checks bounce, that's the sovereign 
debt crisis. The only thing that scares me is, you know, inflation doesn't scare me. Deflation at lower levels doesn't scare me in the long run. Massive inflation or sovereign debt crises, that's what causes me to raise cash in portfolios. And that would be a huge issue. If the world saw that the Social Security checks were starting to bounce to the U.S., <laughs> it doesn't matter where your money is. Don't invest in gold, you moron. Invest in shotguns and bullets. Because <laughs> that's what you're going to need because it's the apocalypse. Now, so maximizing Social Security. Now, single people need to know about this benefit, too, because here's the deal. If you're single, you can go into the Social Security office, and you can only do this at your full retirement age. You can say, okay, I'm 66. I want to file and suspend. I don't want to take. I don't want to start my check at age, until age 70. Now, what happens if you get to age 68 and you're diagnosed with something horrible and your life expectancy is going to be under 80? Well, if you file and suspended, you could actually go back to Social Security and get a lump sum as if you started at age 66. So, if you don't file and suspend strategy, you could only go back six months. So file and suspend strategies also for single people. So beat that Social Security debt horse. Now, we've gone over that big time. So that's that's number two. So number one, the big keys to retirement planning, really knowing your expenses, what's going to get you out of bed. Number two, Social Security maximization. Number three, knowing your tax situation in retirement. You're not ready to retire unless you unless you could look at a projection, look at a sheet that you or your financial advisor have done, and know what your marginal bracket is each and every year going forward. Online calculators do not work. Your spreadsheets do not work. People retire and they have different amounts of money in their 401k. Your 401k, 100% taxable when you pull it out. Roth's tax-free. Your taxable accounts, well, you're going to pay capital gains on when you sell, but what about your dividends and interest? Those are taxed every year. They show up on your 1099s. Your mutual funds have a certain amount of turnover, and those taxes people fail to calculate the right amount of, of taxes in their projection. And number four, maximizing your marginal bracket is huge to fight what's called the IRA tax trap. When I ask people, what is your biggest asset? Most people say my house. Well, no, your house is your biggest liability until you decide to sell it and live off of it. So most people's biggest asset is their employer's 401k or their IRAs that are pre-tax. And so people retire, they have some cash, they have a taxable account, and then they have their IRAs. And what they do is they put off pulling money out of their IRAs the last minute possible because they can get basically a zero tax bracket for the first several years in retirement. But then they get to age 70 and a half and their taxes blow up because the IRS forces you to pull money out of your IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, 457, at 59 and and a half. And so people have a very low rate of taxes and then all of a sudden, boom, they get crushed. They spend all their cash and their other assets until 70 and a half and then you know, the, all that's left is their retirement accounts, and then 75, they've got to do a remodel, put a new roof on the house, and they need 50000 for this big, massive remodel that they have to do. They've got to pull hundred grand out, pay taxes in order to net the fifty. So you've got to maximize the bracket. You, the first place that I look to pull money from in retirement is actually the IRAs. If I can do it and max out the 15% federal bracket, which is $80,000 plus your itemized deductions, I'll do that. If somebody doesn't need the income, let's say they have pensions, Social Security, rentals, I'll still pull enough out to maximize that marginal rate, but I'll convert it to a Roth so that I create a tax-free account. And that's great. 
Because if one of your goals in life is to leave a lot of money to your heirs, one of the best things that you could leave them is a Roth IRA. Because if you name your beneficiaries the right way, if I die, my son can roll my Roth IRA into an inherited Roth IRA, have tax-free growth for the rest of his life. He'll have to pull a little bit out each year, but it'll be tax-free. People sometimes leave their money to their kids. Hey, Grandma and Grandpa, if you want to leave a huge benefit to your grandkids, convert some of your IRAs to a Roth, name your grandkids as the beneficiary, and it's a Grandma, I love you pension. It's a tax-free account for the rest of their life. They can pull it out tax-free to buy their... I mean, you, can, you have to pull out a little each, each year. You can pull out more if you want to. So fighting that IRA tax trap is very... Very important. If you want to get your calls in there, if you've got a money question, any issue, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, it's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Or email me, chad, at newfocusfinancial.com. It's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. So some of the key points to retirement income planning, really knowing your expenses, number two, maximize Social Security, number three, Knowing your tax situation, number four that I just talked about, maximizing your marginal bracket and fighting the IRA tax trap. Number five, we talked about a little bit with Social Security already, but planning for the surviving spouse. I already talked about at the beginning of the show how 20% rate of poverty in senior citizens in California and people that are single have a higher rate of poverty after age 65. It's because so many times people... They pass away, and, and they don't realize the pension is either gone or cut in half, and then one of the Social Security checks disappears, but yet expenses are still 70% of where they were when there was two people. And that's sad. That's why people like the, the old lady on Desperate Housewives, her husband died. Remember this? Her husband died and died late late at night. She's going through the stuff, paperwork, realizing that, okay, his pension's gone. I didn't know that. The Social Security check is going to be cut in half now. So rather than letting everybody know he died, she just stuck him in the freezer downstairs and continued to take the Social Security checks until the kid went to go get a Popsicle. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. 1220 KDOW Welcome back to the show. I am your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Want to get your calls on the air and ask a money question? 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Taxes, insurance, retirement plan, estate planning, any money issues. Fair game. Let's go to the phones. we got John on the line. John, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. What's your question? Um, just a question on, um, you know, in regards to getting income, there's um, obviously CDs, savings accounts are not the way to go. Um, and I've been hearing and seeing a lot of stuff on BDCs, business development companies. Mm-hmm. And just wanted to know um, what your – thoughts are on those and what are some of the risks or things to be concerned about in regards to those, um, you know, public and, and private ones. 
Well, you said you're investing for income, and, and you know, business development companies are kind of shaped, uh, kind of formed like REITs. They have to distribute at least 90% of their taxable income to shareholders. They're kind of like a, a venture capital fund for people that not are not accredited investors, people that aren't worth a million bucks or more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they can pay some high income. They also got smeared and smashed and crumbled in 2008 and 2009 when the economy tumbled because they're, they're really a VC type of fund. So you, you said you're investing for income. What else is in your portfolio? Um, hold on one second. I need to get you on a speakerphone here. Hold on. <laughs> okay. It's, it's your show. We got you. We'll, we'll wait. All right. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, we don't want you to get a ticket, right, while you're calling the show. No, that's why. Uh, I was, anyways, I, I'm, I'm okay. Okay, so what, what's your what what else is in your portfolio? Because that idea of I'm investing for income, no, you invest for growth and income. You invest in what's right. You don't invest for income just because rates are low. So what what else is in your portfolio? Well, there's income stocks, you know, Johnson and Johnsons, AT and T, GE, and stuff like that. Right. So you do have some of those other things in your portfolio. Right. How much? How much small cap in general? How much small and mid cap is in your overall portfolio? Uh, probably about twenty percent. So you have twenty percent small and mid cap already. Excuse me. You have twenty percent small and mid cap in your portfolio. Yes. Okay. Now, do you need income right now? Or are you retired? No. Okay. So first of all, if you're going to buy some sort of a BDC, and all BDCs are publicly traded closed-end funds called BDC, and uh, they ba- basically they make loans to very, very small businesses, unsecured loans in the amount of $2 million to $50 million. Do you know what unsecured loan means? Yeah, it's not a good thing typically. Well, yeah, so if that business does not make it, if that startup does not make it, that startup that couldn't raise money in the traditional way, like most people in the Bay Area raise money for a startup, means there's really nothing there. So it's an extremely aggressive piece of a portfolio. So if you have a portfolio that's extremely aggressive, like 20% small and mid-cap, that may be a portion of your small-cap piece. And if you're going to buy it, you'd want to hold it in an IRA because they're not tax-efficient in any way, shape, or form. Um, they, they're going to kick off income. And it's also going to be, be people have, have bought these things because they've piled into them as an income alternative. So the first place that gets smashed when interest rates go up are the stuff that's bought not because they bought it for a specific reason. Hey, this is a good company. It's because they bought it as a yield alternative. So as soon as rates go back up, then people sell them and you get you get smashed. So that idea of investing in stocks for income is really a is is really not what people should be doing in most cases. You invest in what you should be investing in because it's got good growth potential and some good income, not just for income. So this is like the speculative 1% to 3% piece of a person's portfolio. It's not a core position in a portfolio. And if the economy does soften or start to turn, these things will get crushed. Okay. All right, thanks for All the right, call. Well, we get your calls in the air. It's 800 It's 800 So a BDC or business development company, in 1980, the U.S. Congress created the class of corporation called a BDC. It encouraged the flow of public equity capital to private business. So it's not a bad thing. They're actually they're they're actually kind of, you know, now we have this crowdfunding idea. This was kind of the pre-crowdfunding idea. So to get into VC funds, you have to be an accredited investor, which basically means 
you have to be worth a lot of money beside your house, over a million dollars typically. So BDC fund, um, it's it's like a mutual fund. It allows people that aren't accredited investor to, to get in on them, but they're very volatile and they do carry a lot of risk. And you know, I, get, I get a guy that called the other day. So I've always been a CD investor, so I'm a, can you give me some index funds that, that are going to give me some good income? And I said, okay, you're a CD investor. Now, if you buy this income, uh, uh, some sort of an index fund, and look at some of the international funds that now are yielding you know, 3% because everybody's running for the hills internationally. So if you buy a f- a f- an index fund that's, that's yielding 2 or 3% and you're buying it only for the income and the stock market goes down, every five to seven years you get a 20% correction. Are you going to be that person that sells after it goes down? Are you going to freak out and go, oh, my gosh, I better get out after the correction occurs? Well, you might get 2 or 3% for a couple of years, and then you're going to sell at the bottom and lose all that money. So you just sometimes you invest in growth, sometimes you invest in value, sometimes you invest in a mix. You don't invest in a stock purely for the income. That's, that's not what stocks do. It's, or that's not what stocks are for. Because the stocks that pay the highest yields are often the worst things to hold in a rising rate environment. I like what's called dividend achiever stocks. Look at Mergents, dividend achievers. You want to get an old book on Amazon. Those are stocks that have a history of raising their dividend by at least 10% a year. Dividend achiever could yield only 1%, but they raise their dividend constantly. Because when I invest in stocks, I want growth first, income later. And I want income to be paying me, and I want income to go up every year, especially if I'm retired. So I have my portion of my portfolio that's dividend achiever stocks, other general equities, and some international, bonds and bond alternatives. You make them all work together. If you want to get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Send me an email, chat at newfocusfinancial.com. Welcome to the show. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. You can rob a little break. Want to get your calls on the air, ask a money question. Love to hear from you, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Now, one of the reasons I do what I do is just because of trying to get people to the point where they're not going to have a horrible retirement. But most people don't need to hire a certified financial planner. You need to read, learn, and do some simple things. And here's your check right now that I use all the time. All right, Look at your expense report. If you don't track your own expenses or use Mint.com or you know some other version like that, you don't know what your expenses are, you're doing something wrong. If you do track your expenses and you see your Starbucks budget, is more than what you're putting in your 401k, I don't want to have to pay for you when you're in poverty and retirement. I'm not going to feel bad for you. If you're driving a BMW or some other fancy car to look cool, yet you're not taking advantage of the employer matching your 401k, just take a sharp right into the guardrail because that's what you're doing with your retirement. you got to do a head check here. I mean... There are so many people that look rich, they're just cash flow rich, but they're portfolio poor. Don't be one of those idiots. It's, it's like, you, you know, you hear these people that, that, and 
a lot of times it could be physicians are very very this this happens a lot in that world. Forgive me if I'm generalizing. I have clients that are doctors that actually aren't this way, but I would say 30 to 40 percent of the physicians that I meet, for example, they do a ton of work to get to where they are in terms of schooling, and then their residency and everything else. And all of a sudden they make money, so they need to spend it, and they need to they, they need to find a look at hey, I earn this money, I need the nice car, the nice houses, and everything else. But they're not saving enough. They make a lot of money from the age of maybe 32 to 65, but they don't save enough. They spend too much. And then they go back into kind of a poverty level. Let me give you some eight scary statistics when it comes to retirement. One in six older Americans lives below the poverty line. In California, 20% of people over age 65 are below the poverty line. That's $22,350 for a family of four of income. That is disgusting. How would you like to be living off of that? In retirement, that's horrible. Now, over the age of 55 or so, you can count on your Social Security. We talked about earlier in the hour strategies to get hundreds of thousands or more out of Social Security with file and suspend strategies and restricted application strategies. If you miss that, make sure you download the podcast or shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com on Social Security strategies. Very, very important, especially for married couples. The current ratio of working age citizens between the age of 15 and 64 to those over age 65 is 5 to 1 right now. When Social Security was invented, it was something like 12 to 1. By 2050, it's going to drop to 3 to 1. So we'll have a smaller portion of working people supporting an increasing number of retirees. Social Security cannot exist the way it does now for younger people. That means it's up to you. Pensions have gone away, except for our grandma and grandpa. Social Security is going to go away for people that are under 45. Now, if it's still there, it'll be replaced by higher taxes. So people that are under 45, I don't let any of my CFP practitioners use Social Security in the analysis. We assume that we're going to have to retire without it. Now, the crazy thing, too, is that the ranks of senior citizens are growing rapidly. Right now, there's 40 million senior citizens. That's, that number is expected to increase to 89 million by 2050 because of the baby boomers, 10,000 of those people are turning 65 every day. The aging population is going, there's going to be a drove, I mean, just a wave of senior citizens selling property in California in order to liquidate, move out of the state, and go somewhere else that they can live because a lot of their assets are in houses. Seniors don't spend as much money. Property taxes don't go up as high. And that affects the economy. Look at Japan. We can, luckily, we can study Japan and what happened to them and how... They waited way too long to do things to the economy to to speed it up. And uh, at least we can look at Japan as, as a, a model of what we shouldn't do. Now, another retirement scare. Oh, let's go to the phones. We got another John. I think I think it's a John day. It's it's we can only have Johns call the show today. <laughs> when I get your calls in there, eight hundred. Five one six twelve twenty. But your name has to be John. Yeah, I'm kidding. Hey, hey, John, how are you? No problem. Fine, Chad. Thank you. Hey, quick question. I'm sixty five. I mean, uh, I'm retired, living on uh, my IRAs mostly. Is it okay to delay my Social Security till seventy? Um, how long do you think you're gonna? Well, first of all, John, are you married? Yes. Okay. And does your wife have her own Social Security benefits that she's created? Um, she does, yeah, she does. Okay. Um, how old is your wife? She's actually 57, but she's kind of eligible for a disability, I think, 
disability social security. I've not yet applied, but, you know, she has to kind of get on the stick on that. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so one of the things that uh, you might do yeah. is do what we, what we just talked about. Um, if your wife had her own benefits, one of the things you can do at your full retirement age, which is probably 66, is file but suspend. So you're going to want to go in. You're not just going to want to do nothing until 70. You're going to want to file and suspend. Yeah. Now, that will make your wife eligible for spousal benefits. So she'll be able to take spousal benefits until she's 70 and then switch to her own benefit at age 70. And then you turn yours on until 70. So as long as one of you lives past age 85, it'll probably be a good bet. Now, those numbers aren't perfect because there's different ages. So there's Social Security maximization software that you can use to, to, to really get the right number. And you, because of the disability issue, you're going to want to go into a Social Security Administration office and get all of the, the numbers in writing. Yeah. to make your decision. Um, but, yeah, as long as you have other assets to live off of, do you have anything outside of the IRA to live off of? I don't. It's all taxable. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now are you paying over a 15% marginal bracket? Yes, I am. Okay. So, yeah, gosh, that's when it gets a little bit tough because there's Social Security maximization could get you an extra, you know, if one of you lives till age 90, an extra 100 and some thousand dollars out of it. But at the same time, if... Your taxes are really high from nothing but IRAs. So that could be an issue. It's still probably going to work. Um, so, I mean, if you're living off of your IRAs and you're over a 15% bracket, it means you're pulling more than 80 grand a year out of your IRAs, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Good problem to have. Yeah. Is there any chance that uh, Congress may change this uh, rule of the file and suspend? <laughs> there is. Uh, Obama just attacked it last week. So the Obama administration just came out. No, this is law. This is something that Congress voted in, I think, in the 80s as options for people. Um, so Congress would have to change it again. And we've got a lame duck president. So I don't see it happening uh, anytime soon. Um, you know, I think maybe for certain income limits eventually they might not let people do that. But you're close enough to where you're going to be fine. I don't see anything happening in the next couple of years. If you do file and suspend, the other good part of that strategy is let's say – you get to age 68 and you realize that neither one of you are going to live very long, you can actually retroactively change your mind and get a lump sum payment as, and then start as if you were at age 66 again. Oh, okay, great. So there's, great. A, there's, there's a lot of good reasons to do the file and suspense strategy. Okay, super. Thank you, Chad. Great show. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to get your calls in there, it's 800 516 1220 It's 800-516-1220. You can shoot an email. Let's go to uh, and You can do it through there. Man, the other thing that you got to watch out for retirement, the cost of assisted living facilities has risen to a national rate of $3,300 per month, which is $39,600 per year. Now, Alabama and Arkansas kind of skew that. California is looking more like eighty grand a year. Alaska is $72,000 a year. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 or newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP practitioner, 
deal with taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning. Any money issues, fair game. If you want to get your calls on the air, ask a money question, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Now, here's one of the scary issues of retirement that we were talking about. One in six older Americans live in poverty. The ratio of younger workers to retired people is going to drop three to one by 2050, whereas like 12 to one when people start when we started Social Security. There's 10,000 baby boomers turning 65. Most of them are underprepared for retirement. They're going to stay in the workforce, making it harder for younger people to get jobs. Saving money is more important than ever. You have to take this on your own. You have to live by that mantra, pay yourself first. Every dollar that you earn, at least 10% goes to your investing. You have to do that as soon as you get a job and get used to living off of that amount of money. When you get a raise, you have to remember to also increase your savings and have that step up along with your savings. Otherwise, you, you confine yourself to a lower standard of living when you retire. Americans over age 55 now account for 20% of all bankruptcies. Oh, my gosh. If you're 40 years old and you haven't saved up in your 401k at least twice the amount of your annual income, you are way behind. You better start saving 20% of pay. Whereas if you would have just started at your first job, 22 years old, saving 10% plus your employer match, you'd be on track. It's that easy. Stop getting the fancy cars. Stop taking all the vacations. Stop upgrading your home until you're maxing out your 401k. You don't need a financial advisor. You put enough money into your 401k to get the match. Then you put money into a Roth. If you can still afford to save after that, you go back to your 401k and max that out. Most Americans can't afford to do that. You do that, and you also get 10 times your income in term life insurance to protect your family. You get disability insurance. You get umbrella insurance. You're kind of on the road to freedom before you really need to hire somebody to help you out. Let's go to the phones. Want to get your calls in the air? It's 800-516-1220. Who do we got on the line with us here? Hey, Shelly. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. What can I help you with? Am I on the air? You are on the air, yes. Okay. This is my question. I'm 60 years old, and I have $100,000 in an IRA that I've been recommended to put in a annuity, uh, oh particularly a Midland uh, insurance annuity, and I've heard some negative things about that. What else do you have besides the $100,000 IRA? I have a uh, 401k from an employer, and I'm recently divorced and a single parent, and my son's getting ready to graduate from Wharton, so I'll be done with tuition. Um, Wow, congrats on that. Now, what, what's, what is enticing you about this annuity? What sounds good to you about it? An income stream in about 10 to 12 years and a promise that the $100,000 would go to 200000 Okay, so, so check this out. Now, did they explain to you that that's not a guarantee of principle? No. <laughs> See, that's the thing. So first of all, your first step to get into the right direction is don't go to a financial advisor that earns a commission for selling you product. Those are not financial advisors. Those are salesmen. You see what I mean? Okay. So you need to find a fiduciary, somebody that charges fees to manage the portfolio or an hourly fee to help you out. Um, so that's the first step because you, 
do you realize inside this Midland annuity that the overall fee structure between the sub accounts and the the cost? And by the way, turn off your ra- turn down your radio, please. Turn it down. Uh, the, the cost for the internal cost for the annuity is probably over three percent per year. And all that they're doing is they're guaranteeing an income stream in the future, which really isn't that much of a guarantee because there's never been a 10-year period where a balanced portfolio has lost money. So they're really not guaranteeing a whole lot. They're not taking a lot of risk, but they're charging you an arm and a leg to do it. And what that will do is greatly reduce the amount of money you have in retirement. Now, there are times when people are closer to retirement that some certain no-load annuities or index annuities that have that type of benefit might make sense as a bond alternative, but not as a huge portion of somebody's portfolio. And there's no-load versions of it. For example, you could get the same thing from Emeritus or Vanguard at probably half the fees. And this guy is going to sell you something and make five to seven percent, or five to seven thousand dollars in commission by selling you that product. So, you, do you think the sales pitch is going to be pretty good? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, people out there, thanks for the call, Shelly. I appreciate it. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. People that sell product are not fiduciaries. They cannot be. Now, I got in the business when I was 19 years old uh, with my grandfather, and he sold annuities and mutual funds at the banks for, for years. Finally retired from Washington Mutual. Got tired of the savings and loan bank takeover every six months, and so he left and went on his own, and I fell in love with the business, but I, well, you wouldn't have caught me talking to people on radio or at events that I do with Rob Black. I was, I was not that type of a person back then. I was majoring in engineering and math, and I really like spreadsheets. And uh, what I always notice is that there's, there's, why would we be doing these annuities or these loaded mutual funds where there's all these better products? So I actually started a website called feeplanning.com. Right after I launched that, it was... Uh, Merrill Lynch was on the air. The CEO said, well, we'll never do fee-based money management. Now that's all they do, right? So I've been doing it for, for much longer because my generation, we don't like sales. We don't like that horrible pitch. We like to be able to get advice and pay for the advice and make sure that it's a fiduciary. So when you ask, how do you get paid? Do you have any conflicts of interest? Are you a fiduciary? And if they're selling insurance products as a financial tool, and getting a commission, there's there's going to be a bias there. Because sometimes those types of products, those no-load versions or different versions, do make sense as a bond alternative. But guess what? They only make sense when bonds, when the 10-year treasury is only is under 4.5-5%. That's when they make sense. An annuity is a piece of garbage when you can go out and ladder a bond portfolio when interest rates are normal. And we can't do that right now because interest rates are so low and going up. So for the next five years, I'm using a couple of different no-load versions or versions where you can get your principal back at any time as a bond alternative. But it's usually only for about 20% of them. It's not, you know, you're 60, you've, you've been putting a kid through college, you're recently divorced, you got 100000 you got a 401k. In the Bay Area, you need well over a million dollars to retire comfortably, so you're probably still going to be working another 10 to 15 years. And you don't need an annuity if you're 15 years out from retirement. You're, it's, it's worthless you. It's not a growth asset. And these insurance companies are really not, again, even over the last two decades with these bubbles and crises that we've seen, there's never been a 10-year period where a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds has lost money. It hasn't. So stick with the course. If you want to get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Email me, chat at newfocusfinancial.com. 
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into the show. You're listening to Chad Burton and Rob's Money today. Want to get your calls in there? It's 800 1220 Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner Practice. We're standing in for Rob, or sitting in for Rob, whatever you want to say. Sometimes I stand and do the show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. You can also catch my show at 1 p.m. on the station. Let's go to Joe from Cupertino, I believe. Joe, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you today? Doing well. What can I help you with? Hey, you have a fantastic show. I want to thank you for that. No, thanks. Hey, uh, so I do have uh, different uh, investments uh, in place already, and I do have uh, whole life uh, insurance, but I have small policies uh, for the whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. And what I'm looking to do or what I had kind of heard was that when I – suppose I'm 70 or 75 and I want to take out money from the whole life insurance right? Uh, while still being alive, that money comes to me tax-free. It can, yep. Okay. So uh, – so should I, if I, the current policy I have is only for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and it's it's been around. I've had it for like uh, eleven years. Okay. So the the premium just is. I don't have to pay any more premium because the dividends take care of the premium. Right. The yeah. annual premium. Yep. So if I was to increase that from a hundred thousand to let's say five hundred thousand. Would that be the best way to go about that? Well, you're not going to be able to do it on that policy, but let me ask. Let's go backwards, Joe. Are you sure. maxing out your 401k, 17500 yes. a year? Are you yes. funding a Roth IRA? Yes. Okay. Have you saved up at least a year's worth of income outside retirement accounts? Yes. Okay. So you're, you're, you're a high-income earner, right? You're, you're part of the 1%. The 99% hate you, right? I'm not a high-income owner, but I like financial <laughs> stuff, and I have been investing for 20 years, and okay. I do it every week. Gotcha. Good deal. So you're investing for 20 years. How old are you? I'm 42. 42. So you're in the right age. So look, I mean, life insurance for 99% of the population is a horrible investment. Now, you got a whole life policy years ago when whole life policies were actually a good deal because the minimum guaranteed interest rate was high, and their dividends are now paying the premium for you. So here's, here's the deal. Newer policies aren't like that. They're not as good as the older policies that you got. You can't just take your existing whole life policy and up the death benefit on it. You would actually okay. have to get a new policy. And okay. you don't want these policies. The only way that they work, and I tell you what, for all of our clientele, maybe once every couple of years this makes sense. And you, you don't want to get this, in, this, this information from an insurance person that has skin in the game in terms of selling you the, the policy. Um, exactly. What they can be for high-income earners that are under 50 and looking for safer alternative, look, looking for a bond alternative. Because when interest rates right. are high, if interest rates were high right now and level, I would just have you go buy uh, tax-exempt California bonds, individual bonds, and you'd actually be better off. But in, in this case, it could work. But you really have to go to a specific type of an insurance agent that deals with high-income people that all they get is you know the higher net worth policies – you actually have a very okay. low death benefit and a very high funding. So you need to be able to commit about you know, $25,000 a year to those types of policies to actually make them work, and you have to be with the right type of agent. Could you commit 25000 a year? 
No, I cannot. Okay. Then I would forget it. I'd turn around and I would go back and I would go buy total stock market index funds, continuing to buy dividend achiever stocks, and just let it accumulate. Because here's how it's tax-free at retirement. Insurance, the way it works, is when you take money out of your cash value, you get your premiums back first. It's, okay. a, it's a FIFO accounting, first in, first out. And then if you want to get your gains out of your policy without paying taxes, you actually take a loan against the death benefit. And there's an interest oh, rate involved, so it actually eats into your, your cash value. And then when you die, the, the death benefit pays off your cash value. So if those policies underperform or the cost of insurance goes up in 10, 15 years, the insurance agents sell you on one side of the ledger that looks really good. And then what happens if interest rates drop or if it's a variable policy and the stock market does terrible, but interest and mortality costs and insurance costs go up, those things can blow up. When I got into the business in, in uh, the early 90s, I spent a lot of time having to fix this garbage for people that were sold life insurance as an investment and they drastically underperformed and costs went up. So you didn't you, you passed the first part of the test where you you're saving in all those other vehicles but you just don't have enough I don't, I don't think to really make it work. I would rather you just go out and accumulate stocks and index funds and, and tax efficient ETFs later on when when interest rates normalize and we get back to you know Four four and a half percent on the ten-year treasury. If you want that tax-free growth, go buy a general obligation individual California tax-free bonds. So, okay. steer clear of it. Thanks for the call. I keep the policy that you have, though, John. Joe, keep the policy that you have. That's one of the older ones. It's actually a good deal. If you want to get your calls in the air? It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Here's another reason how the economic downturn has hurt uh, people going into retirement. Interest rates on CDs and bonds are a third of where they were in 2007 because the Federal Reserve, because of the bailouts and the monetary stimulus, it's kept interest rates extremely low. So check this out. If you were 65 in 2007 versus 65 in 2014, you need 20% more capital to retire today as you did when interest rates were where they were in 2007. So not only did people really have just broke even on, on their portfolios, must say, you know, they, they should be ahead of the game, actually, but if you're just breaking even, yet you're not really even, because those other ideas, if you want to draw 4 or 5% of your portfolio at retirement to be able to live till you're 100 and keep up with inflation, that was when interest rates, that, those, those numbers, those 4 to 5% draw rates were invented in the 90s when interest rates were much higher on bonds. So you actually need 20 to 25% more capital at age 65 now than prior to the credit crisis meltdown. That's tough. So you got that working against you. You got also age discrimination. That's another big issue in retirement right now. And for as liberal as California is, I see the most, in all the states that we work in, we mean New Focus Financial Group, or financial planning wealth management firm, in all the states that I work in, California has the most age discrimination. It was really odd to see, and, and after the downturn, most people in most states seem to go back to work the quickest. The people that had the hardest time finding a job were people in the tech sector over the age of 55. Real tough for them um, in, in California. It's tough. Now, retirement planning, there's so many things that you can do on your own before you need to hire a financial planner, like I talked about. Put enough money into your 401k to get the match. Then you take the next amount of money, 5500 for you, maybe 5500 for your spouse, put it into a Roth IRA. You still have money left over to save? Go back out and max out the 401k, 17500 a year. Have your disability insurance, 
get term life insurance and that's the difference. Do all that before you hire a planner. Read some books. Pay yourself first. Millionaire Next Door is a great book. If you want to get on the right track in terms of thinking about money, Millionaire Next Door is one of my favorites. I'm going to get your calls on the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Let's go to Alan from Santa Clara. Alan, you little it, – hey, how are you? Hey, Good, thank you. Happy Friday. I have, I have a question. Should I stop putting money into my traditional IRA and instead put it in a regular taxable account uh, considering the required minimum distribution, which is, you know, for me, I just turned 50. So uh, I'm trying to balance whether I should put in a regular account rather than a traditional IRA for my wife and I. Well, okay, so are you? do you have a 401K at work? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I max the 23K a year on that one. Okay. Well, I just heard 50 this year, but I've been maxing my 401K since my 20s, my mid-20s. All right, and and so are you saying that you guys are not eligible for a Roth IRA because you make too much money? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, one of the things that you can do, have you heard of the backdoor Roth IRA? So you're, no, making, you're making a non-deductible contribution to your IRA every year? Yes, for a traditional IRA, yeah. Okay. So, I'm it out. All right. One of the things that you could do is, is you could open a separate account. You could make your non-deductible contribution to the IRA and turn around and convert it to a Roth because there's no income limits to convert it to a Roth. Now, because you have other IRA accounts, it is going to, some of that is going to be a taxable event. But it's still a way to get into a Roth, and it's still better than just investing it in a taxable account. The other way to get around that is that if you've got a lot of other IRAs account and you got a 401K, you could roll your, your non-post-tax uh, contributions maybe into your 401K plan and then convert all the rest of the money. So if you've got, let's say you've got an IRA outside of your 401K, and it's worth fifty grand, and, and twenty five grand of that is non-deductible contributions that you've already paid taxes on, you could roll the part that's taxable into your 401k plan and then convert the whole amount of after-tax contributions to a Roth without a taxable event. You really have to work with a CPA and a good financial advisor to do this. And then every year, instead of making a non-deductible contribution that you're just going to have to pull money out of seventy and a half anyway, you make a contribution to your non-deductible IRA, you turn around and convert it to a Roth. Okay. It, it's a way for higher income earners to get into a Roth IRA. Okay. So, that makes sense. A little bit confusing, right? Yeah, but I think I got it. Okay, I ask you another quick question. What's your view on paying the house off early, or just saving the money and putting it into retirement, further retirement account? Um, the the time that it works in my mind to pay your house off earlier, I'll talk about that coming back after the break because there's, there's only a couple instances where that makes sense, and it's usually close to retirement and when interest rates are extremely low. So hey, you might be that case. So I'll talk about paying your house off early. Coming back after the break, 
Welcome back to the show. I'm your host for the day, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. If you're looking for that 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Plan I was talking about earlier in the show, download the whole sheet at newfocusfinancial.com. So check that out. 10 key things that you need to know when you're trying to plan for retirement income. And if you're close to retirement or in retirement and you haven't really analyzed each of these 10 items, you're not ready. You're not ready. One of the the questions that we just asked before the break was, what do you think about paying off your house early? Now, here's when it makes sense. If you're 30 years old, 40 years old, making extra payments on your house before maxing out your 401K, before maxing out your IRA, before saving up at least a year's worth of income and just index funds outside of your retirement accounts is crazy. Your house goes up and down in value regardless of how much you owe on it. So all you're doing is giving money to the bank early instead of investing it. Now, when that changes is when you get close to retirement. Once you get close to retirement, you need a certain amount of cash and bonds. And let's say you get to be 55, 60 years old. You're on track for retirement. You've got a good fee-based financial planner saying, you know what, you've got plenty of equities. You don't really need any more stocks. You've got enough risk in your portfolio. You've uh, you, you know, got plenty of bonds. You've got a bunch of cash sitting on the sidelines. That's about the only time when it makes sense is when you're really close to retirement. You're really close to retirement and you've got extra cash and you've already got a large enough portfolio. That's when you're wealthy enough to say, you know what, it, maximizing every single dollar isn't as big of a deal. I'd rather just pay it off and not have that monthly payment and go on vacation and not worry about a monthly payment. Then, then it can be okay. Make sure the house is insured, though. That's okay. Or if you know, you're know you close to retirement and you're 20 years into your 30-year amortization schedule and most of what you're paying is principal anyways, you're not getting a tax deduction anymore, then fine, pay it off because you're not really getting a benefit out of it anymore. But that's very low percentage of the population. Very low percentage of the population. Now, speaking of the population, people, you know, I think the general consensus of retirement is um, if you had a million dollars, you could retire. If you had a million dollars, you could retire. Okay, so maybe in some states, but you're in the Bay Area, right? Now, the whole idea of retiring, drawing 5% of your portfolio at 65 and being able to increase your draw rate every year to keep up with inflation is an old rule. It's an old rule. It was invented when interest rates on bonds were like 6 and 7%. So 4% is more like it, as long as you're using some bond alternatives in retirement. But most of your money, if you're retiring, is in a 401k. So if you're drawing 4% or 40 grand a year on your million-dollar portfolio, net of taxes, that's 34 grand. Net of taxes is 34 grand. Now, the average Social Security income that I see in retirement is around $24,000. Now, 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So let's assume that after tax, your Social Security is about twenty grand net. So as long as you can live off of $54,000 a year in retirement, then fine, a million dollars is enough. But if you're 62 years old and you're used to making... $100,000 a year, for example, a million dollars is not enough. You will have a decreased standard of living in retirement. You'll start out okay, but inflation will eventually eat into your standard of living. The other thing I see is that people end up spending more money in the first several years of retirement than when they were working. They're doing the travel. They're doing the bucket list. 
those types of things. And it's amazing, people. I mean, a lot of people pull the trigger and retire, and they find themselves running out of money at age 90 because they retire and then do a financial plan. Whereas if they would have just worked two more years where they're feeding their portfolio and letting the numbers compound rather than retiring, two years' worth of working can make a five- to seven-year difference in how long your money lasts in retirement. So make sure you have that that idea or that cash flow projection done well prior to retirement. Well prior to retirement. If you want to get your calls in the air, I have a few minutes left in the show, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the biggest mistakes people make in retirement planning is is waiting. They wait too long to start saving. And parents, it's up to you to teach your kids on how important it is that idea to pay yourself first. Get them to start paying themselves first. If you give them a dollar in allowance, make them save 10%. I use a system with my three kids called uh, My Job Chart. It's a cool little app that you can get on your iPhone, and they can allocate their allowance between what they're going to spend, what they're going to save, and then what they're going to give to charity. They can even pick charities. If they have a savings goal, they can go on Amazon through the through the um, uh, app and say, okay, I want this Lego set. I want to save for this. They can create savings and spending goals with this app, and they get rewards, and they log in, and they they complete the tasks. It's, it's kind of cool. Check it out, myjobchart.com. Start your kids out with that idea of paying themselves first when they're, when they're really young. It's really easy for a kid. Uh, for my son, when he was 13, we just had him, you know, walk through the process of opening up a TD Ameritrade account, going on and placing the trade for a total stock market index fund. And he's he watched it go up quite a bit in 2013. He's pretty stoked on saving. And I've taught him that if it goes down, don't sell it. If it goes down, that's when you buy more. Timing the market does not matter when you're younger. Stop buying the software garbage. It's just getting in, getting out. It's going to make you the money. The chart in the long run goes from bottom left to top right, and you collect dividends along the way and reinvest those. So timing the market doesn't mean anything when you're 30, 40, 50 years old. Timing the market only makes a difference when you're in retirement and you're drawing on your portfolio. So save. Get used to increasing your savings when you get a bonus, when you get a raise, and never give up on that employer match. Never have a larger car payment than your 401k. Thanks for listening. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.